What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We're live here on this November 7th, a Sunday afternoon. First slate of NFL games just wrapped up, and uh, we are going to recap the weekend of football. Week 10 of college football, week 9 of NFL uh, we've got our college basketball preview dropping uh, sometime this week. We're tipping off hoop season in a couple days. I'm very excited for that. So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and go to my website, jackvita.com, so you don't miss out on any of the content that I'm uh, doing over there, including I'll have my top 25 rankings out this week, and I'll write and I'll defend my picks as I did last week. Um, and I may have some other pieces coming as well. We recapped the World Series just a few days ago. So if you're starving for some baseball content, go and check that out. And at this time, I want to welcome in our friend uh, and guest for the day. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, we went had a, a very fun trip. It was six years ago. Hard to believe. It's been almost seven years now um, where we toured all of the Major League ballparks in the state of California together. Um, and he's been on the show a couple times. Great friend, huge college football, huge sports fan. James Ivkovic, welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me, my man. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, kind of do a little bit of a recap here of what's happening in, in the world of college and professional football. Yeah, exactly. So it's great to have you here. And of course, for those who don't know about our uh, fun trip, you want to give a quick little summary of what we did out there in California? Yeah, so pretty much a sports journalism trip. Uh, Jack, me, and along with, I believe it was 8 to 10 um, other classmates that we had, got a chance to, like he had alluded to, go to all five major league baseball stadiums there in the state of California, along with meet some people in the business, uh, in the sport, uh, as far as journalists that have covered um some of their teams as well as a little bit in, in the inside, I guess, look of uh, um, the communications team, if you want to call it, or journalism teams uh, within, you know, those uh, those clubhouses, essentially. So it was a lot of fun. Got a chance to meet a lot of uh, really cool individuals, including the old commissioner of baseball. I don't actually remember his name. Peter but Uberoth. There you go. Uberoth. Uh, Uberoth cool experience, yeah. though, nonetheless, especially if you're a sports fan like Jack and I are. Um, if you ever get a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. It was truly the trip of a lifetime that will forever, I think, stick with all of us. Yeah, you'd have to go to Carthage College in order to go on that trip in particular. But any any ballpark trip where you're able to, like, we were staying in hostels and there were like six of us dudes in one room. It was so much fun. I mean, we were saving money. We we're going to games. We we talked to Joe Girardi. We talked to the A's owner, and he called up Billy Bean while and put him on speakerphone while we were doing that meeting. It was so fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Like you said, just. Being to hang out with a bunch of people who enjoy the the same sport and the same experience as you do is is certainly it, it helped make that trip memorable. The the group I think that we had there, so yeah, a lot of fun. And again, yeah, like you said, if if you get the opportunity to do so, go for it. Yeah, I think we need to do another ballpark trips our ballpark trip ourselves. East Coast, East we gotta, Coast. We got to do one of those here soon. That would be a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, baseball season is over now, James, and. 
I found myself Friday night. You know me. Baseball is, I mean, that's that's my sport, man. That's I love college football. I love college basketball. They're just a tiny lip, tiny bit below Major League Baseball for me in terms of my favorite sports to follow. Well, Friday night rolls around. I, I don't think it really hit me until Friday night. But typically, Friday nights for me, not very lit, just sitting around watching baseball. Uh, and basically every night I just watch baseball all the time. Friday night rolls around. There's no baseball. It's cold outside. There's no sunlight. And I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm like, this is what they call seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I ended up watching major league as my kind of way of coping with it. <laughs> there you go. Good, good choice for that one. Yeah, it was definitely a fun, fun season. Crazy to think that these, you know, Six months are already in the book, essentially. Um, gosh, even the football season, we're already at week 10, like you said, for college yeah. football. Uh, it's It certainly went by. It was a fun series, at least, that that final one. I thought the overall the playoffs were uh, a great time, and I'm happy for VA, as they call it, down there <laughs> in Georgia um, to finally get their championship after, what was it, 26 years, I think? Yep, that's right. 1995. Yeah. So if you guys are, if you guys are wanting more baseball content, go back and listen. I called up three of my Braves fan friends, uh, Albert Destrade and T-Bird Cooper from Survivor and Garrett Powell from The Bachelorette. And we recapped the whole series and it was a lot of fun. But as we mentioned, it's football season now. And we got a couple days here where, well, I mean, technically there is NBA, there is some NHL, but, uh, you know, college basketball season starts in a couple of days. But for the last, I don't know, five days, all my focus has been on football. And we had, you know, we're here at week nine. And I guess the, we should just run through some of these NFL weeks, week nine scores. We'll chat about it, see what's going on. And we'll move over to college football. Uh, you ready for this, James? You ready for my little rundown? Let's go for it. All right. Well, let's start with. Atlanta sports are being blessed by God right now. Things have not been going well in the state of Georgia for the last 26 years. Yeah. Atlanta Falcons with a win over the New Orleans Saints today, 27-25. Saints really in an interesting uh, quarterback predicament after losing Jameis Winston. But that wasn't our biggest upset of the day because the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, pulled out over the Buffalo Bills 9-6. to um, didn't catch any of that game. Sounds like a, a big noon, big 10 game, nine to six field position, a lot of punting. Uh, we also had the Jaguars and the bills in the playoffs about four years ago with a similar type of score, yes. similar type of game. Uh, Jaguars pick up their second win of the season. Cleveland Browns make a statement over the Cincinnati Bengals. 41, 16, they go into Paul Brown. And now both those teams are at five and four. Um, interesting situation in the AFC North. Denver Broncos uh, shutting out the Dallas Cowboys. I believe the final was was that thirty to nothing on that game, James. Thirty to sixteen. Okay, it was, it was, so some, they, gar- it was some garbage time touchdown, yeah. if you want to call it that. Yeah, so I was wrong on that. They got a couple of late scores there. I think at around I was putting these, I was writing these scores on my sheet of paper with about ten minutes left in that game, and I was like, oh. Dallas just no-showed. They got shut out at home. They didn't get shut out, but they didn't look good against Denver Broncos. Broncos now 5-4. and four. Not a great spot for the Broncos, honestly, because it 
James, this kind of has the feeling of like a Broncos team where they're not a real contender, so they're not going to get a real high draft pick where they can eventually draft that quarterback because, mm-hmm. let's face it, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke are not the long-term solutions for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, uh, it's probably a similar spot to my Bears, at least from last year, where they're going to be just outside that top 10 mark, I, I will say, probably you know, at season's end. And when it comes to that, you're probably going to have to trade up if there's a guy that you want to go and get. Um, we know Elway has never been shy as far as going to get the big guys, uh, the Peyton Mannings of the world. Um, or you know, uh, the Paxton Lynches of the world. The Paxton Lynches <laughs> of the world. That was, uh, uh, you know, an experiment that I don't think went necessarily how they had thought it would pan out. Um, kind of the the QB in waiting, if you want to, um, after Peyton's retirement tour there. So, uh, yeah, like you said, with trading away of Von Miller, I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you yep. know, they're preparing for the future as well. Um but hey, it's always nice to see, and in this league, it's it's definitely a week to week league. Uh, if nothing else, you know, no no win is an easy one, um, and if you can pull them out along the way and string string a few, uh, we saw it ten years ago with Tebow. They they made their little magic run too, and I don't think a lot of people were giving them a lot of chance midway through the season either. So, a lot can happen in this league. Uh, like we like you mentioned, the Falcons, they're one of those teams that seems to be blowing leads left and right. And they somehow managed to pick one up on on the road in the dome. So, well, that all of their all the city of Atlanta's failures have been wiped clean. I mean, they have redemption right now. It's like it, we're moving on to a new chapter where Atlanta doesn't blow leads anymore. At least that's the mentality for the Falcons today. It is. It's a rebirth if you want to go that route. Yes, <laughs> uh, that was that was a big a big win for that state and that, that nation down there in Georgia. Uh, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's uh, the second coming, if you will. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned Von Miller, Von Miller gets traded over the Rams. Their defense should be fantastic with him. And then there was a story that Von Miller had a Halloween party that he was charging admission essentially for the rookies. He want he said party at my place, and then he was making the rookies essentially pay for it when they got there. This was out in L.A., you're saying? No, when he was still with Denver. This was before he got traded. And okay. So some people felt like that was kind of the final straw. Yeah, I did. To be honest with you, the first time hearing of this, that is <laughs> quite. I, I don't even know what to think of that. To be honest <laughs> with you, not not even sure. But yeah, maybe the final straw in that in that situation there. So then, of course, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Playing without Tua, man, I feel bad for that guy. A lot of injuries with him. He's only made about 11 or 12 starts in the NFL, and people have already written him off. Let's face it, the Dolphins are not a very good team this year, but they did get a win today with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they win that game at home to improve to 2-7. and seven. Win, of course, if you're playing the Houston Texans, you're going you're gonna to pick up some wins. So Texans drop that game. Uh, Giants with a nice little victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, 23-16. Tumultuous week for the Raiders. I mean, it's already been quite a season with everything that happened in terms of moving on from John Gruden. And now uh, this past week, Henry Ruggs uh, went out and he ended up 
smashing into someone's car and a 23 year old woman and her dog died as a result of this. He was driving while two times the legal limit of intoxication. And this was around 3.39 a.m., I believe. And he was driving 156 miles per hour. So uh, there's just been a lot going on with this Raiders team. But I want to make mention of this before we get to the rest of the scores here. Derek Carr is having a really good year. And it's not like Derek Carr is playing with some amazing supporting cast around him. I think Derek Carr has been a really nice, steady presence for this team. And if the Raiders end up winning the AFC West and Derek Carr uh, puts together a nice, you know, 5,000 yards or, you know, in terms of he's, he's putting up some good numbers, I, we should be talking about Derek Carr as a potential MVP candidate this year, especially considering everything that's gone crazy around him. Yeah, like you said, I don't think he's gotten enough credit to be completely honest with you throughout his time in Denver. I think this is, I want to say, year eight for him. Uh, there, he's been, you know, kind of in the center of trade rumors from the get-go when Gruden got into play there. And I'm a big, you know, I I enjoyed watching John Gruden. The whole situation that unfolded is unfortunate. Um, you know, like you had said, there's a lot that's going on there with that team right now. Um, and I really like how you talked about, I guess that steady, that steady hand presence, if you will. Um, in the in the locker room there and really being a leader that I think a lot of people can gravitate towards in uh you know uncertain times like these for for a team like that um yeah and like you said he's playing some really good football today not not his best showing by any means I watched a little bit of that game against the Giants and um you know like we talked about week to week league these types of things happen you know you're you're playing with the best of the best here you're going to have off weeks and another team is going to come out and just kick your butt from the start type of thing. And that's kind of the feeling that I had gotten watching it. Um, but yeah, like you said, I definitely think he, he doesn't get as much credit as I think he's deserving of um, considering how well he has played. And a lot of people are kind of on the fence about that too. A lot of people are, I don't think think very highly of him as an overall player and being that, that top tier top 10 quarterback in the league, but he certainly shows up, you know, every week and um, like we had talked about is, is the leader of that locker room. And, and someone I think a lot of those players can look towards not even just in, in a sense of uh, football, but in life in general. Yeah. He made, he had a really great comment when he was asked about the Henry rug situation and he brought up, I mean, man, it makes me a little emotional thinking about it is he, he didn't say this explicitly, but he, he brought up a point about, People I noticed this week only hatred directed towards Henry Ruggs and a lot of outrage. And I understand the outrage and I understand the frustration and really the grief and sadness because what he did was wrong and it was horrible. It was the wrong thing. You know, it's it's, it's a whole mess. What mm -hmm. Derek Carr brought up is like he has sympathy for Henry Ruggs because Henry Ruggs is going to have to live with this the rest of his life. I mean, he's going to have nightmares about this thing and he's going to suffer the consequences. He got cut by the team. We may never see him in another NFL game. This was a guy who just a little over a year ago was a first round pick out of the University of Alabama with really a, a, a bright future in this league. Um, and it's a it's a tragic, terrible story. My natural thought is if a guy is driving that fast, at that hour of the time 
with a lot of alcohol and incest in his system, there might be something off there mentally. There, there might be some mental health issues already. And who knows what, you know, what was going on in that situation. But nevertheless, like what Derek Carr said is, Hey, I'm going to be there for this guy. What he did was wrong. Um, no mistake about it, but I'm going to be there for this guy. And he, he needs love and he needs support. And if he ever needs it, he can get it from me. And that's the kind of stuff you talk about with Derek Carr as a leader, not just on the field, but off the field. Um, he's handled everything that's been crazy about this season with so much grace and maturity. Yeah, I would pretty much echo everything you said there. Uh, not an easy situation and, and definitely a touchy subject, I think, to begin with. And like you said, how he handled it was he showed it with a lot of a lot of grace, I think, um, in a very difficult, very difficult time. But I think he answered it about as well as anyone possibly could, to be honest with you. Um just watching him, knowing who he is, I genuinely do think that these are genuine words coming out of his mouth too. And and I think his actions, based off of everything that I've heard and read on him too, are to be pretty valid and, and pretty accurate as well. Right. Absolutely. So the New England Patriots and Mac Jones, by the way, Mac Jones is looking like the top quarterback out of this rookie class up to this point in terms of development. Another win for the Patriots, 24-6 to over the Carolina Panthers. The Jets uh, lose on Thursday night to the Colts, 45-30. Colts now improve to 4-5. and They're in the mix there in the AFC. And then uh, the only other game that's wrapped up, and then we got some games going on now, uh, the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings blow... Uh, I think they're up two touchdowns or at least 10 points. They're up two scores uh, in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, it's been par for the course with the Vikings this season, losing another close game, 34-31, the final on that one. Right now, across the league, just to get before we uh, go all over the place with our opinions and thoughts from this week, the Eagles lead at halftime on the Los Angeles Chargers. Gets me all the time. I almost said San Diego. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, so 10-7 right now. Cardinals up 14-0 and uh, moving down the field in San Francisco without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so Cardinals looking strong there. And then, of course, really the the story that you couldn't get away from all week, even though I tried to. I didn't want to, and we're not going to get into it, but Aaron Rodgers, uh cannot play in this Packers game. It's America's game of the week. Packers and the Chiefs. It's on right now. Chiefs lead 7 nothing, And, um, you know, the NFL put in a lot of these protocols and penalties and incentives for players to get vaccinated. And um, let's just say that the thank I, maybe maybe this isn't the best way to say it, but if those protocols were different, Perhaps we'd be getting to watch Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes play each other right now, um, which would be fun. Uh, instead, it's Jordan Love, next man up. Opportunity to see what Jordan Love is made of here. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, unable to play, unable to practice after testing positive for COVID. We're not going to open up that can of worms because 
you're seeing that conversation everywhere else in the sports media and we're doing the sports here. We're not doing the social stuff. So uh, that's our news for the weeks thus far, Jimbo. Yeah. uh, Like you said, pretty much wrapped it up as far as the scores and whatnot. We've got actually your Steelers against my bears tomorrow, tomorrow night. So that should be a fun one too. Um, Hopefully the Bears can pick That's up something. Be, by the way, I don't know what kind of okay. Over under on that game is thirty nine. I think it's going to be. I'm, I don't like to talk over unders, but I was just thinking this is going to be a low scoring affair. Justin Fields is going to be under a lot of pressure from TJ Watt, and the Steelers haven't exactly been lighting scoreboards up. So I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. Yeah. I would echo that too. Uh, just watching a Bears offense that, quite honestly, has looked lost for almost every game this year. Um, I think Fields certainly has the potential. I think people do see these spurts of. Uh, I know he had a huge run last week in a really solid game overall against the Niners here, and that's really all you can ask for in seasons like these two, where things are just like you had mentioned, not really going their way on offense. Um, I know even Pittsburgh being a little bit banged up here with Big Ben, which seems as though every other week seems to be having some other injury, and he's still he's still kicking as well. But um, <laughs> it isn't the Steelers' offense that I think we're accustomed to of the last decade, which, quite honestly, has been a high-powered offense um, and has plenty of weapons for sure. But um, things have just not clicked on all cylinders, and I think you know getting your players right and healthy is also a big part of that. Um, it's the nature of this violent game that is played quite honestly, but um, fun nonetheless. And uh, I think it should be a good game. Yeah. Like you had mentioned, they're going to be like a big 10 feel to it. A lot of good defense, a lot of field position ultimately will, I think uh, determine who comes out on top on that one. Yeah. I think the Steelers are going to win, but I think it's going to be something like 16 to 12, that type of a game. It very well could. I mean, like you said, it's uh, kind of the tale of the defenses, I I, I want to say anyway. So we'll see here. Um, I Yeah, like you said, I think there's a few more pieces to work with in that Pittsburgh offense that ultimately will help them prevail. Uh, but may, may the best man win. <laughs> right on. So in terms of all the games and news that we touched on, uh, what do you want to discuss thus far? How about How about this? Minnesota Vikings can't win close games. What's the story there? Is and I'll I'll add this. I've spoken with Vikings fans recently, and the Vikings fans that I've talked to have said Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's the best. You know, if you think about the history of quarterbacks in Minnesota, he's probably the best quarterback they've had since Brett Favre had that amazing 2009 run. They had almost a decade where, you know, you had, you brought Teddy in and Teddy was good before he had, you know, the horrible leg injury. And then prior to that, they were wandering around with Christian Ponder and Josh Freeman and uh, Kirk Cousins has been like a stable, you know, people are going to say what they want to about Kirk Cousins, but he's a guy that you can win games with. He's a solid quarterback. And, I might be a little higher on Kirk than other people, but the fans that I've talked to have said like, you know, they, they, they have a quarterback here, the other pieces, the defense. And it, it sounds like there's a growing frustration with head coach, Mike Zimmer, 
just because they find themselves in a lot of situations where this is a game that they could win. They end up losing by three. I think every single game they've played this year has been decided by one score. So that, you know, could reflect game plan that could reflect some other things, but I am starting to wonder, I don't know if it'll happen here in the middle of the season, but, and this is an outsider thing. I don't have any kind of sources, but I'm starting to wonder how much, how much of a leash does Mike Zimmer have? Um, because I don't, I, I don't know how you improve this team and you have to change the culture some way. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head to be honest with you, uh, from Vikings fans that I've talked to as well. Um, also state that there is a sense of frustration with Zimmer as well. I think that's what ultimately separates the good teams from the great ones is winning these close battles. It's awesome to see that a team is right there, like you said, till the very end in every single one of these games. Being in one-score games, like we talked about, not an easy league to win in. When you get them, it doesn't matter how you get them. You got to get them. Um, I think that's the bottom line here. Going back to Kirk Cousins, if you get a quarterback who's consistently and regularly correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm almost certain he's passed for 3,600, 3,700 yards yeah. every year. And if you're getting that and between that and 4,400 yards along with 28 plus touchdowns, I don't really think the quarterback is your weakest link there, right. but I think that's a very, very good quarterback in today's game and someone who is giving you a shot each and every week, which I think we're kind of seeing here being these one score games. I was watching the game a little bit here in the telecast. They had mentioned how Minnesota's two-minute defense has been struggling all year. They can't seem to close out drives. They can't seem to make the big stops when they need to. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's you know again, that's what separates them is you got to be able to close those out. You got to be able to get those stops down the stretch. Um, you know, on third and longs, uh, whether it be just two-minute defense. I think overall here ultimately is what's. Uh, you know, separating and, and it could be little things, minor things. It could be the game plan, like you had mentioned. Um, but yeah, they're right there. I think that offense is as good as any of them with Thielen and Jefferson on the outside. And you got one of the top three running backs, in my opinion, in, in all of football there in Dalvin Cook. So um, pieces are there to succeed on offense. I think they got to clean up on the defensive side of things. And uh, yeah, like you said, I don't know if that, that leash is very long at this point for Zimmer. Uh, sometimes a change is just needed. Uh, you know, I, I think indirectly being the leader of a, of a team, of a program, of, of a company, that's usually, you know, that's what it is. And you're going to, you're going to get the heat when things aren't going well, but you're also going to get the praise when things are going well. So, um, he's got to accept that it's Zimmer in his role. And, uh, you know, hopefully they do get some things cleaned up here. I don't, I say hopefully, but you know, being a bears fan, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't necessarily want to see our North rivals win games, but they are there. I, I don't think they're as bad as the team as their record shows at three and five, to be completely honest with you. It's a matter of, like you said, a few plays here and there closing things out. And this game truly is a game of inches. So, um, halfway through the year, alter, I guess almost halfway through kind of halfway 17 games, not really a halfway mark <laughs> yeah. in, in this year, but, um, no, this is, this is, uh, this is week nine and we have eight, 18 weeks. So this is the halfway point. Okay, so we are halfway point then. My, I stand corrected there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of things can happen if they do get things cleaned up here. But uh, now we're getting into crunch time this time of year in November, December when it comes to these these games. So we'll see what ends up happening there. 
All right. What else from NFL? Anything else? Uh, that was a good one to, to touch on here. Um, I'm trying to think of any of these other games like we had mentioned. Um, I think it's kind of a crapshoot at this point, to be honest with you. I think just overall picture in the NFL, I think there's a couple of teams that kind of stand out from, you know, the Bills, the Packers. Um, I think we're starting to see that the Chiefs aren't necessarily the almighty Chiefs that we had seen the previous three years. Um, and it's just funny to, and goes to show you that these windows in, in sports in general, they fade quick. So you got to make sure that you know what you're doing as a front office, as a team and putting those pieces together. And if you truly feel that you have a shot to win, I, I go back to the Braves. They put their all pieces in, even losing one of the game's brightest young stars in Acuna. They still found ways to pick up guys at the deadline, the Jock Joneses, the uh, Jock Austin, Jones, not Jack Jones, Jack, <laughs> Jack Peterson, excuse me. Um, Austin Rally stepping up the uh, Ender and Ciartes of the world. Um, you know, I just going again with this whole Chiefs team, their defense has been subpar at best this year. Um, and like we said, it's kind of showing in their record. I think they're, I want to say four and four right now. Yep. Um, and, you know, Mahomes can do a lot. He can't do it all though. Uh, so it really does goes to go to show that these are team games. Um, and, I mean, I think a lot of teams have a shot at doing some damage here. It's, you know, being in the NFL, it's essentially a one-game playoff every week when you get to January. So, um, may the better man win. I want to touch on the AFC North briefly because I think this uh, Cleveland game was very significant for them. be interesting to see if they if there's an addition by subtraction with them. Uh, just essentially, it's like that scene in Moneyball. David Justice says to Billy Bean, he's like, uh, the Yankee or you're paying me seven million dollars. He's like, Oh, I'm not paying you seven million dollars. The New York Yankees are paying seven million dollars to play against you. That's what the New York Yankees think of you. And that's basically what the Browns are doing. They're they're paying for Odell to not be on their team. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening with Odell if he gets picked up somewhere, what ends up happening there. Uh, but they come out, they looked really good today, and uh, 41-16 the final on that. We'll see if Cincinnati starts to fold. I mean, they had a nice 5-2 and two start, but they lost that game to the Jets last week that they really shouldn't have lost. And that That's that's a gimme type of game. you got to beat the Jets. And then uh, they lose today. So you got two 5-14 and 14 to win tomorrow night. In fact, I would, like I said, I picked the Steelers to win. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose. Um, but you could be sitting at, by the end of this week, five and three Steelers, two, five, two, five and four teams, and then six and two Baltimore and Baltimore did not, even though they won today, they did not look great today. So I think that AFC North race is going to be something that is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on, not just in the coming weeks, but for the rest of this season. Top to bottom. I do think they are one of the, that's one of the toughest divisions, I'll say, followed closely by the AFC West, if I'm being completely honest with you, with just having four really good teams. Uh, I don't think there's really a bottom dweller in that division. I think it's kind of the nature of that division to beat up on each other. I don't think, you know, they. It's, it truly is a rivalry in every single game there within those yeah, four Yeah, no, these teams like each other, by the way. It's fun. It makes, it makes football fun. Uh, they're kind of in that area of the country of that, you know, 
kind of that blue collar mentality yeah. as Ross well. Which, Belt. Yeah, I I really do enjoy watching those games. I think it's a, a very physical game when you get those teams going up against each other. And that might be one of those divisions to watch out for, I think, going all the way down to that week 18 matchup as well. So um, it'll be fun. I, I I agree with you. It's a it's a it's a cool division. It's a fun one. Um, going to the Odell situation. They did look good. They came out on fire today. Baker was spreading the ball around. Um, like yeah, that was said, the no, best we'd seen Baker Baker all year. It certainly has. Like uh, you know, he's he's coming into that contract year next year as well. If they, I don't even recall if they picked up that fifth year option for him in in Cleveland, but it's getting to that point here where they're going to have a decision on their hands too, and if they're going to really pay him like a franchise quarterback or if they're going to have to go in another direction. And it was certainly a step in the right direction, I would say, um, like you had alluded to today, putting up 41 on a a pretty darn good Cincinnati team. But I think they've kind of come back down to earth, I think, a little bit as well. Um, But, yeah, it should be a fun fun division here coming up. And I forget who was saying it, but someone has got a very – very uh, heavy schedule. And I want to say maybe is the Ravens uh, coming up here within games in that division too, which should be um, a pretty good judge. Yeah, the Ravens haven't, the Ravens don't really have, I don't want to say quality wins, but they haven't beaten anyone that's great yet this year. Right. Um, so I, I'd expect their schedule to ratchet up in intensity. Uh, and by the way, I think you mentioned the Bengals real quick, the Bengals. I had this thought as you were just speaking about them, they remind me a little bit of last year's Arizona Cardinals, where the Cardinals start out six and two or six and three or whatever they were. We had the Hale Murray play, and they were in first place. It looked like, okay, this team's here. Um, well, they were a year away, and it was a second year starting quarterback who was the number one overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's kind of where the Bengals are. They're starting to show that promise of what the future is going to look like, but they're not there yet. Um, so that's what I'm expecting with them. Yeah. I I, like, I think again, you you said it spot on there. Um, they're getting there. They're certainly getting there. I think the defense has improved dramatically from last year and Zach Taylor, I think is coming in and done what he's needed to do. But again, there's, you gotta make, if you're, if you're stuck in doing one thing the same way constantly, uh, and consistently it's, you gotta be ever changing. This league is ever evolving and you have to adjust um, it's uh, ultimately a, a, a you know adapt or die type mentality because that is what what this league is. It's a week to week league. It's a year to year league. You need to make those adjustments um, with your team accordingly in order to find success. I'm a firm believer of that. Like you said, really shouldn't have lost to a team like the Jets this year with just with the pieces that they have around and on that offense. It certainly can be a lethal one. And um, I think, like you said, there's going to be those growing pains and those bumps along the way. And I think we're just kind of seeing that now. All right. Finally, Jacksonville Jaguars with the big win. Uh, Trevor Lawrence got hurt in that game. I don't know if he came back in that game. I just saw that he was out. I didn't see any of that game. But they win against Buffalo. Buffalo was favored big. Uh, That was a game that Jacksonville should not have won. They've won two out of their last three. Is Urban Meyer starting to were people too quick to maybe write him off that he can't coach in the NFL? You know, it, it's uh, it's tough to say again with uh, the team. There's a reason that the Jaguars were picking first overall. Yeah, um, 
ultimately that goes to show that, you know, the talent isn't necessarily where it needs to be. I think, like you said, Lawrence is going to go through his growing pains as is Urban Meyer. And in a first year, it's, I believe it's his first experience ever with professional football as well. So he's learning the game as well. I think at his own pace too. Um, and who's to say what, like we said, what's to happen? It's they, they take a look at it as, you know, it's a, it's a new day, it's a new game, and it's a it's a new start of the season when you get into this back half of the schedule now. So, uh, again, Lawrence is going through those those rookie bumps like every rookie goes through as well. Um, I think ultimately he's going to be a very good quarterback when it's all said and done and that career is over. Um, it's a matter of putting it all together and clicking on all cylinders. We've seen it from time to time, and it's about doing that on a consistent basis. Um, it's certainly, I think would be nice to see the Jaguars do something. I think football fans across the world are kind of like hoping to see that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, it would certainly be nice to see, but um, you know, they're, they're one of those teams. Again, it's a young team. It's uh it's a team that really needed an influx of talent there. Their first round running back goes down with an injury to start the year in, in training camp. And uh, you know, I think we're starting to see that, like you said, some things clicking here and it could be, the start of something big who's to say yeah i mean it's a rebuilding year but i i think my main thing is like hey maybe maybe we were a little too quick to say urban meyer definitely can't coach the nfl when urban meyer has succeeded in every position he's been the highest level of college football okay let's move to college football with that um a lot of games here a lot of games for me to run through we have our first college football playoff rankings before i get to the games how do you think the committee did this past week with the first rankings release? oh lord that's <laughs> uh that's a loaded question to be honest with you um no i don't i thought it was bad to tell the truth i didn't like it at all yeah i mean it, it's it's tough because there's it's that it's that battle between the eye test and do wins matter end of day Cincinnati is controlling everything they can control. I guess ultimately they're going to have to switch conferences if this is how it's going to be viewed for. Well, they t- are. T- they're going Big end. Twelve. They're going the Big Twelve. Um, and let's be honest, the Big Twelve isn't necessarily you know the jack of all trades either. Ultimately, when it when it boils down to it, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, again, we all know what the Alabama is of the world, and the eye test certainly they do pass. They're going to have a number of guys that are playing on Sundays, probably majority of that roster is going to be playing on Sundays when it's, when it's all said and done too. But, um, you know, first week, I'm not, I'm not necessarily too concerned about it because I think a lot of these teams certainly do control their own destiny. Whereas if you win out, the rest will take care of itself ultimately. And Cincinnati has had, I know you had tweeted about this too, Jack, a while back. They just, they don't look impressive in these games, but they're sneaking out these wins. Um, end of the day you got to look at it though from a perspective of a win is a win is it not and um you know that's just that's the system i think we're in in college football until you expand these games um expand i guess the format for the college football playoff but um yeah a lot to unfold here if if, you know i don't know exactly your thoughts like you said i know you're not really agreeing with it there are a certain a couple of head scratchers i think along the way there like you had said alabama just jumping up to two certainly we know they're good um but you know i think at a certain point it goes to just show that they're not rewarding these 
the smaller conferences and those group of five conferences um, as they are the SECs of the world. Yeah, yeah, I I do not like the eye test logic, and I understand it from a lot of people, and I think that's where people don't see eye to eye on this thing because the basic idea is like, well, I want the best four teams. That's what people say. Yeah. I want the best four resumes. So if a team is not the most talented, like let's just talk about let's talk about major let's talk about the World Series. If the if you were doing this format for Major League Baseball and you said, all right, best four teams, well, the, the perceived top four teams, and especially if you have some committee controlling it, the Yankees could even get in on that situation where the Yankees definitely not one of the top four teams. The Braves won 88 games, but they won their division um, and they got a shot. Now, obviously, they're things you could talk about with baseball. But nevertheless, if you're going into the postseason, you'd have, in terms of best four teams, Dodgers, uh, Astros, those two for sure. And then are you just going to neglect the San Francisco Giants and what they did? Because, yeah, you know, they had the best record in all of baseball, but I don't know if they'd be looked at as like a top four team by a committee because, and then you have the eye test of like, oh, well, yeah, but the Yankees are such a big brand. And what ends up happening is the Braves, long story short, the Braves would not be in that top four yeah. if you were doing that. And the Braves win the World Series. And that's how sports works. Sometimes the teams that aren't on paper the best teams, they go out, they win games. And I think it's a it's an absolute shame if you go undefeated and you win your conference championship, especially like last year okay you know what it was a situation where i would have had cincinnati in at four i could understand why they weren't in um and i guess i can technically understand why they're not in in this spot right now and they're number six and we probably shouldn't get too deep into the weeds of this because there's so much season left but long story short all these other teams have blemishes like i was tweeting a lot it's really interesting because I've been doing my top 25 rankings. I just tweeted mine out this morning and my rankings, I do them before the AP poll comes out. I don't want to be influenced by anything. I just want to give you my rankings and mine haven't looked too different from where the AP ends up putting these teams. Now, maybe there are a few smaller conference teams that I put in in the back half of the top 25, but for the most part, I mean, I saw AP put Cincinnati number two, and now the fact that the college football playoffs is their rankings are out. People are kind of, I'm getting more responses of like, Oh, how could you have Cincinnati too? Well, I'm looking at the best resume and Cincinnati is an undefeated team. It's not like the American is the Mac. The American is fairly strong. It's not great, but the ACC is not that great. Big 12 is not that great. And yeah, we'll, we'll get more into this later, but Cincinnati's undefeated team leading their conference and they have a win against another top 10 team on the road at Notre Dame. Um, if you, I just, I hate the fact that a team like that could miss the playoff by, by losing in the court of public opinion and not losing on the field. If Alabama doesn't get in, well, they lost on the field. That's why they didn't get in, but Cincinnati and heck, UTSA, I wouldn't actually put UTSA in the top four, 
but I would love to have some type of system where every conference champion gets an automatic bid. And that's what makes the NCAA tournament the best time of year in March Mm -hmm. Madness. We need something like that in college football, especially this year when anything can happen on any given Saturday. Everyone's losing left and right. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd agree there. I'd agree. I'd echo your statement. Um, Like you said, we still have a month left of very important football to come in the college level and NFL level. But I think at the end of the day, let's not overreact to these rankings either. Like we said, there's a lot of football left to be played. I think the teams that we think will cough, cough here, Cincinnati being one of those teams, if they do what they need to do, win out, I think the rest takes care of itself, to be completely honest with you. That's why I say I don't want to look too closely at these rankings. Yeah, um, you're right. Where I think, again, had Michigan State gone undefeated, had Wake Forest gone undefeated, the same thing I think is going to ultimately be said there as well, um, where they would ultimately work their way in. But um, I definitely do think the system itself favors the Goliaths of the world. Um, and and of college football, the Alabamas. I think there's a team like Georgia there that, to be honest with you, I think has separated themselves from the pack. I that defense is one of the best I've seen in the college football era, um, college football playoff era. And uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be it'll unfold. Um, it'll be fun. That's November has a lot of these fun rivalries and a lot of uh, madness, like you had mentioned about the the college basketball. I, I too am one for the the larger format. I just think it gets more interesting and it gets a little bit more fun, but you're also going to get those games where, you know, you you've, we've seen the one versus fours in the modern college football playoff era as well, where the four has just gotten absolutely smoked it, it, you know, so it's, it's tough to determine that because it is also a year to year thing where, you know, some teams, it is very top heavy other times, like a year like this, I think you are going to get a little bit of a blend and a balance of like, well, Cincinnati maybe could knock off a team like Michigan State this year or an, a team like Oklahoma this year. But at the same time, Oklahoma might be able to knock off a team like Alabama this year and, and you know, et cetera. And then so. Um, so, again, it's I don't is it ever going to be perfect, Jack? Let's be honest. Probably not. Um, I, we got too many. Uh, too many opinions on it, and um, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're at just the, adding to the noise here. <laughs> yeah, it is, seriously, it, I think this is a discussion that could be had for months on end. To be honest yeah. with you, and I know we've previously talked about this many of times as well. So. <laughs> well, I will announce right now. I'm going to do it, and we're we're only like a month out or so from Selection Sunday. I okay, mean, we got, what four more weeks? We got three more weeks or four more weeks? Yep. And then the conference championships. Okay. So I'm going to do, I'm going to release my own 2014 playoff bracket and then we'll put it on social media. People can vote as to who they think would win. And I'll do a piece where I run a simulator and we'll see what happens. Let the chips fall where they may. Oh, from 2014. We're talking. Okay. The very first one. Yes. No, 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 no. 2014 playoffs oh 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 my bad on that okay yeah i thought you were going talking about going back to the very first playoff because there was a lot of controversy i remember surrounding that one as well with baylor baylor and tcu being the prime two Uh, who was the 14 that got in ohio state who ran the table ohio state (laughs) 
I, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's one of those formats that again, does it make sense to everyone? No, I don't think it will. I don't think it ever will, to be honest with you, but Ohio state at the end of the day, they were the team that got hot late and won how they needed to. I, I specifically remember them beating Wisconsin 62 to nothing in the big 10 tr- championship game. And I, I honestly think that was what ultimately separated them. They knocked off a big time opponent in a conference championship game and the rest is history, I guess. Right. I don't, I don't, you know, it's, it's an imperfect format. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's why I'm creating my own playoff format. So let's I'm go not happy. It. Yeah. My own committee. I'm a committee of myself. Yes. I like it. All right. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you guys go to jackvita.com and get on my email list. All right. Let's quickly, I'm going to quickly run through I got like 28 games here. And the reason why the list is even bigger is because now we're going off the college football playoff rankings and their rankings are different from mine. So some of the games that the committee is looking at as like big games uh, is excluding some of the games that I'm looking at as big games. So basically we have all of my ranked teams and then all the committee's ranked teams. So we got a lot and uh, I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can. So Georgia improves to nine and zero, best team in the country, 43 to six. They win that game at Mizzou. Uh, So nice job there by the Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama Crimson Tide skating by the LSU Tigers, 20 to 14 final on that game. Uh, The curse of these high ranked big 10 teams it continues with Michigan State, number three team in the committee's eyes, falling at Purdue 40 to 29. Purdue now with two wins over top three teams this season. Uh, so pretty, pretty fun there for Purdue. Oregon, nice win at Washington, 26-16. Ohio State uh survives. I don't know if I'd call it a scare, but a another good game this time. Um in Lincoln, Nebraska, at least they, they play in Lincoln, right? Yes, this yeah. one's in Lincoln. Yeah, okay. Uh, so they they beat Nebraska 26-17. Uh, Cincinnati on top of Tulsa, 28-20. Michigan on top of Indiana, 29-7. to Number nine, Wake Forest suffered its first loss of the season at North Carolina. The funny thing with this game, James is that North Carolina and Wake Forest agreed to two non-conference games. So this did not impact the ACC standings, even though it was two teams from the same conference playing each other. I don't know if you heard about that. Wild to think about. I remember seeing something about that last year as well, too. And and the funny thing was they had said that last year's game, I think it was 112 points scored. This year's game was 113 points scored. So (laughs) if you like offense that's the game for you um shout out to sam howell and uh sam hartman as well uh fun game to watch like we said if you're a fan of offenses both of them can really sling sling the ball around and uh you know it it makes it for a lot of entertainment if nothing else there number 11 oklahoma state improves to eight and one with their 24 to three win at west virginia TCU in the first game of the post Gary Patterson era, Jerry kill leads them to victory over arch rival Baylor 30 to 28 Texas A&M 
big win at home over number 13 Auburn. They're number 14. Texas A&M wins that game 20-3. to BYU blew out Idaho State 59-14. Uh, battle of NFL prospects, potentially. Malik Willis's Liberty Flames uh, lose at Ole Miss and Matt Corral's uh, Ole Miss. You know, hotty toddy, 27 14 final on that game. Ole Miss improves to seven and two. Uh, Arkansas with a victory over Mississippi State was somehow 17 this week, 31 28 final on that game. Uh, Kentucky now loses three straight. They lose this game at home um, against Tennessee, 45 42. A little rivalry there. NC State uh, with another victory. They improved to seven and two. They win at Florida State, 28 to 14. Illinois, James is Illinois fighting Illini with another victory. This time they win at number 20, Minnesota. So uh, their last two games that they've won, ranked opponents, James. Ranked opponents and on the road for both of those two. Yeah. Can't beat Rutgers at home. So go, <laughs> go figure that one. That is, that's college football, I think, in a nutshell. Wisconsin, uh, 52 to three at Rutgers. Uh, I was actually at, I went to the Northwestern game last night. They lost to Iowa and that final on that game was 17 to 12. The Iowa fans were much louder than Northwestern fans. I had someone had given us their tickets and we're sitting in this section. That's all season ticket holders. Basically the Northwestern season ticket holders are just selling their tickets every week. And all the Iowa fans made the trip. They were very loud. Um, very emboldened, felt like a home game for Iowa. So they won. That what game. has happened with uh, Hunter Johnson? Too, he was supposed to be the guy. I remember coming out of that loaded 2017 quarterback class. Uh, he was a Clemson commit. Eventually transferred over to Northwestern. And to be completely honest with you, I, do, I don't follow Northwestern football all that closely, but. I knew that he was the guy. He was the number one. I want to say number one, number two rated quarterback in that in that class of 2017. Any ideas as far as what happened there? Is he done for the year? Is he injured? Not even sure to be honest with you. He got benched at some point. He could be injured. I'm not sure. I haven't really watched the Cats over the past few weeks because I since I do this show, I try to watch all the meaningful games and the cats just haven't had meaningful games aside from the Michigan game a couple weeks ago. And Ryan Holinsky got in there and he looked pretty good. And I think Hunter Johnson is just a guy where, you know, you see the arm talent, you see the physical talent and you're blown away by it. But the decision-making, you know, this is a classic thing with quarterbacks is you could be the most physically gifted guy, but if you force too many throws, you make bad reads, you know, there's so much of it that's mental. You got a guy like Tom Brady who doesn't have, you know, he's not a an Adonis by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he's the best quarterback of all time. So Hunter Johnson, it's sad because I was expecting a lot more from him. Um, but yeah, it just he's probably if I had to guess, I mean, he's if he wants to keep playing college football, he's probably going to transfer somewhere else next year. With Helensky basically about to be stepping in there. Yeah, I think Hunter had his chance. And I mean, unless he wants to be a backup for the Northwestern Wildcats, I mean, I, that would be my guess. I mean, his dad, his dad played at the program. So maybe he likes the school. Right. Maybe he wants a Northwestern education. Yeah. But um, yeah, hasn't worked out. 
Nice win for Iowa. Get back on track after losing the last two weeks. Boise State handed Fresno State its third loss of the season. Fresno State uh, has been really good this year. I was actually surprised by this outcome. 40-14, to 14, they got thumped. San Diego State on top of Hawaii, 17-10. Pitt on top of Duke, 54-29. Um, my favorite game of the day, Army Air Force game. Uh, the Commander's Classic, I think is what that game's called. Do you know, James? I'm not too sure on that one, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, I didn't really follow that one. Okay. At all. It was a great game. Uh, went and it, the uh, Army, Army won that game in overtime, 21 14. Really fun game to watch. Anytime you watch the service academies play each other, do it. It's fun. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's fun seeing the, our armed forces celebrated. Yeah. And then Air Force has had a really good team this year. Um, unfortunately, I could not get it done this past week. Um, SMU now loses. They lose two games straight. Uh, that surprised me. They lost at Memphis 28-25. Um, their offense looked all out of sorts. Appalachian State 48-14 over Arkansas State. So nice win there for the Mountaineers. Houston on top of South Florida, 54-42. Nevada on top of San Jose State, 27-24. The team that I really want to talk about today, the UTSA Roadrunners, the best team that nobody's talking about, so we'll talk about them in a second. They beat UTEP, and UTEP, by the way, UTEP's a good team. They go on the road to UTEP. They beat them 44-23. Uh, Arizona State, uh, much needed victory over USC, especially after really some a couple of embarrassing losses with the uh, Wazoo game and then with Utah a few weeks back. Um, so needed this win, 31-16. They improved to 6-3 and three on the season. Utah is looking like an entirely different team since inserting Cam Rising as the team's starting quarterback. They blew out Stanford. The other night, 52 to seven, and they're in control of their fate in the uh, Pac 12 South. And then finally, Louisiana, Raging Cajuns on top of Georgia State, 21 17. That's your week in college football, James. Beautiful. Well done, Mr. Vita. Uh, <laughs> Go into detail about this Roadrunner team. To be honest with you, I don't know much about them. I know they had beaten Illinois early on as a um, a big win. It looks like ultimately to start this streak. So, yeah, one of those teams that I think is maybe a, um, a nice kept secret, if you want to say, um, in college football this year. It's a it's a feel good story for sure. And uh, feel free to take it away if if uh, you got any call outs there with them. So UTSA is some people were saying last night when I put this on Twitter, I said, we aren't talking about UTSA enough. And a couple people tweeted back and said, they're the best team in the state of Texas. So I would be saying that they're better than a and I don't, I would not put them above A&M at this time. Um, I've got my rankings and this week I've got A&M at 11. I got UTSA at 12. They're a perfect nine and zero, And especially lately, They've been playing some. So, for instance, they played UTEP this past week. UTEP was six and two. Um, 
good team, you know, on the road, by the way. And UTEP, it's really unfortunate that they lost the previous week, last week, because had UTEP won that game, this could have been a game day game, which would have been a really cool atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They've never been to UTEP before. Um, but that so UTSA in the conference in conference USA just looks way better than everybody in that conference. They look like they remind me a little bit of coastal Carolina last year where and it is a little different because last year the Sun Belt went three and zero against the big 12 and there are maybe a couple other teams that are a little stronger such as Louisiana and app state, but UTSA is this unbeaten team that you can't really put into like a top five type or a top 10 because unfortunately they just, the, the best schools that they can schedule non-conference are Illinois. Nobody wants to play UTSA. There's no reputation behind them com- coming into this year. Um, unless you're like a college football diehard and you've noticed what they've been building. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no upside to scheduling UTSA or coastal or Cincinnati, because if you play that team and you lose, like you legitimately can lose to that team. Because I think they're a top, 15 team in the country Mm -hmm. and if you lose well your whole your entire season is tanked and you could lose if you beat them you don't get any credit for winning that game so they're in like a situation like coastal where they're not going to be able to play anybody that's significant um and they're unbeaten they're running back sincere mccormick is a beast um and they're just absolutely killing these teams in conference usa I mean, I would expect them to do the same these final three weeks or so. Um, and I guess maybe maybe four weeks if they have a conference championship or have to look at their schedule. But um, I'd expect the same from them to close out the season. If they get to 12-0 and or 13-0, and they're undefeated. The committee would not put them in a New York in a New Year's Six Bowl, but I would love to see them there. And realistically they're not going to get a new year six bowl but let's put them up against let's i don't know who the best example is going to be like let's put them up against Ole miss or someone like that who's going to finish the season Ole miss will probably lose another game but like a like a three loss sec team let's put them against utsa why not i the it's the boise of the mid 2000s i would say ultimately you know you get chances to have games like that and i mean i think a lot of people our age at least somewhat remember that Boise State, Oklahoma, and how much fun it was just it to was see awesome. kind of a, a team that just like kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think, you know, that was probably the years that I just started watching college football. That was the Reggie Bush days and Matt Liner, USC was on top. Funny also to talk about how the mighty have fallen. Five losses for both Texas and USC this year. Oh, yeah. It's crazy to think about where those where those programs are at, considering how much history is behind there. And yeah, it's, like you said, teams like UTSA who just don't get any love. And I think it would be fantastic to finally give them some national recognition in a New Year's Six Bowl, which at the end of the day, if you're not going to put them in the top four, which is not even a thought at this point, but give them a chance just to you know go up against the big boys and see what they can do. I, like you said, it's not going to do them any good or any teams any good to face them in the regular season. So why not give them that platform and that opportunity to you know, perform in, in probably it wouldn't be probably it would be the, the program's biggest game. Yeah. Another example would be Northern Illinois. 
Yep. They got into one of those and they just got killed. Yeah. And the, unfortunately, when that happens, it kind of ruins it for other teams. Like right. you need you need TCU or you need Boise State to come out and to be those BCS party crashers. Yeah. Back then with the BCS. Um, but yeah, I want to see them get a real bowl game. Unfortunately, I think they're probably going to do something where they put them up against Coastal or, you know, maybe maybe it's Houston if Houston ends up finishing second in the American. Right. It's all about money. Um, and that's why we need a better system for this. But let's I want to see the I want to see the Roadrunners right. taking on a legitimate, you know, power five program that's a top 25 team. It'd be fun. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, if nothing else, you know, going up against a, a coastal, a Louisiana, uh, uh, what was the other one? Appalachian States. Um, you know, those could also be very fun games, but like you said, they're just not going to get that national attention. Like, like so many people want to see, I guess it's, it's fun seeing the little guy get in there, crash the party. Like you had mentioned, um, and just kind of changing it up. I don't know. Seeing the same Alabama teams in there year after year, although well-deserved, and we all know Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time, putting players out on Sundays like it's nothing. Um, it gets old after a while, at least from a viewer, if if I have no, uh, no dog in the fight, if you want to say. Um, and I, I like seeing the, the, the Davids of the world do well. Yeah, and I know we're kind of uh i don't want to say beating a dead horse but we're kind of saying the same thing again and again and that's that like yeah you know what if you had an expanded playoff the 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 champion of the mac is not going to beat georgia this year it's just not going to happen right maybe that's uh i think it's northern illinois again this year is right now in first place they're not going to beat georgia it's not going to happen but you know what's going to happen over time after 10 years of having every conference champion get onto that big stage and more exposure to those programs. And maybe a couple of those teams pulling off an upset. Eventually, eventually you're going to see a little more of what we have in college basketball, where you have the Gonzaga's of the world and you have these teams right now. It's like there are seven power conferences that you say in college basketball. And then there are teams outside of that, like, for instance, Gonzaga, that can win a national championship and has right. cemented themselves as a blue blood. And if college basketball had this playoff system, we would have never allowed Butler or Gonzaga or Creighton or whomever it is, a seat at the table to ever right. get to where they are now. It's a very fair statement. I think also in college basketball, you start to see the parity, I think, a little bit more than, say, 15 years ago. Seeing a 15 seed or a 16 seed pull off that upset, never did I thought I would see the day. Those 15 and 14 seem to be doing it pretty more, uh, a lot more with, I guess, regularity than they did previously. And I just think it's the the matter of just like sharing of the wealth, I think, in college basketball. Um, again, it boils down to that one, one game playoff when it's all said and done in March, obviously. But that's what makes the tournament so great is it's it gives everyone an opportunity. It gives them a, a shot. And um, it's fun. Is it, is it the most fair? Probably not. You can win 35 regular season games and one game it you have the worst game of your life and it's over. And in the blink of an eye, you don't even, you know, you, you don't get that shot anymore, but 
it's what makes it fun. And, uh, um, I don't know, hopefully, like you had mentioned, I know we keep beating a dead horse here in, in college football with their playoff right now in the format that they go by, but, um, maybe slowly, but surely over time, you will start to see that implemented and, and some changes occur here. Yeah. And I know I've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, but there are some like the mountain West is a pretty dang good conference this year. Yeah. I mean, there are some really good teams. In fact, I would put the Mountain West above the ACC this year. And, you know, Pac-12, I give an edge to the Mountain West. But in terms of the top teams in the Mountain West, when they've played the Pac-12, they've won almost all, if not all those games, uh, all but one, maybe. Majority um, of them, yeah. Yeah. Like they're they're lining up their, uh, the mid The Mountain West has done well against the Pac-12. I put them above the ACC this year. Um, and then I think, so if we're talking conference rank, rank, uh, strength right now, um, we've talked about this in the past on this show and I don't want to keep having the same conversation over. I guess my question to you, James, is what is the best conference this year? I think it's hands down the sec. If, if, you know, again, they're more often than not going to be the best one. I would say, I think you definitely are seeing steps taken backward in the ACC, for instance, um, you're, the, the power is just changing ultimately, I think, a little bit. It could be a down year for Clemson. They just they do not look like the same Clemson team that we've also been accustomed to seeing for the last 10 years here. Um, and it looks it looks certainly different. Um, is that a you know something to dabbo that unless you have the Deshaun Watsons or the Trevor Lawrences to carry you, what is what is your team gonna look like? But I ultimately think top to bottom, the SEC is is the team to beat. There's a uh, you know, there's how many teams would you say maybe nine or 10 teams year in year out that are just regularly in the top 25 in that conference. There's well, no, I'm talking about this year, this year. I still believe it is the sec simply because you have Georgia in there. You have Alabama in there. A lot of these teams, again, it, going back to even previous years, they're regularly occurring in there. However, this year too, I still think you're seeing that that dominance. Uh, just from the get go, you have one team that kind of has separated itself from the pack. Usually, it's Alabama in previous years. This year, it's Georgia. I think again, top to bottom, SEC. Let's do an exercise here because I think my what I'm getting at is I think the Big Ten is a little strong. It might be closer to the SEC this year than people realize. I think that's what I'm getting at. Interesting. Let's do an exercise here. Um, let's have a draft of teams this season there this year's squads um in terms of best team not in terms of best resume best team and you can pick anyone from the big 10 or the sec okay and i'll give you the first pick you're, you're taking georgia i would think okay there you go next let's okay. go i'm taking alabama i'm probably taking ohio state i think i'd take i could take michigan next I'd probably take A and M. Okay. Now after A and M, I like a lot of these. I would probably go Michigan State. I think. Yeah, I think that would be fair as well. After that, probably an Ole Miss. Okay, Ole Miss is a good one. And then you know what? It, it is kind of interesting at this point because I look at the Big Ten and it's like you got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa, like a logjam of teams. And they're all like strong, but they're not great. Um, I think it's, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, I guess. 
What do you think? It's, I understand, again, from the perspective of you have a team like Purdue, who I think is clicking on on all cylinders right now and, and winning these the, against these ranked opponents as well. So I think they are a sneaky good team. Like you said, even Minnesota, I didn't even realize, to be honest with you, that they were as good as they were until the playoff rankings came out. And they were ranked at, I believe it was 20, I want to say. Um so they're right up there as well. Penn State, remember the expectations this year for that team? I know they've had some bad losses as well. I want to say they're 6-3 and three or something like that. So they're kind of middling around there as well. Um, it's interesting. Again, I, I do think this year we have a lot of really, really good teams and a lot of really good teams that could potentially beat each other that you don't think maybe would have a chance. Maybe there is a team like Arkansas that can pull off uh, an upset this year, even though we say an upset, they're bowl eligible. There's I think six and three, six and two this year as well. So um, there's also the teams like Georgia who are, again, they've separated themselves from the rest of the pack. The defense is, is incredible this year. They're going to have first round picks everywhere on that board, probably four or five of them, I would imagine in the first round again this year. So, um, yeah, I, again, it's, I, I definitely do see your point and I guess maybe taking a, a pick, a, a glance in the mirror there, maybe the sec really isn't as good as it is as or LSU was having a down year this year, Florida, the expectations that they had this year certainly were to compete for a college football playoff spot. They now have, I want to say four or five losses at this point. So, um, yeah, the the potentially the tide is changing. I think when you put a Texas in there and an SEC or a Oklahoma back in the SEC, and when they're eventually going to move, it's going to be that power conference that it it is. But it's adding two of the yeah. quote unquote big boys, even though Texas has really not been the what I what I think the media draws a picture of Texas to be. Um, Oklahoma certainly has stood the you know stood its ground throughout throughout time here in the last 20 years of being that that right. elite college football team. I think what I'm trying to get at is SEC is the best conference. I don't think it's like the type of gauntlet it's been in other years. Yep. And I also think that there's a tendency to be like, well, the SEC is just head and shoulders way, 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 way better than everybody. Right. Whereas I take a look at like, all right, so Auburn is a three-loss team. Penn State's a three-loss team. Well, Penn State beat Auburn pretty handily. You know, yeah. like I think, I think it's a. Those are clearly the top two conferences this year. Yeah. Um, and then after that, <laughs> it's not really like anything to write home about. Yeah, if you had to mark them up, I suppose you probably would go along the lines of a Big Twelve, Pac twelve, ACC, something in well, that. I go depth. Mountain West before ACC. Would you? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The ACC is not what it once was either. So um, that's very, very, very valid point. Um, I can't say I've watched much of any Mountain West football, to be honest with you. So I can't really comment on that. That's okay. Yeah. The ACC certainly is not what it once was. So I've watched enough Mountain West for everybody listening to the show. I've watched a lot. (laughs) There you go. But yeah. And then the American, I'd say bad look was SMU losing yesterday because I was thinking after Houston just barely beat SMU. I'm like, this is actually a good spot for Cincinnati because, and for the American is, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not great. I think UCF is solid this year. And then you've got, I'm thinking, okay, you got three good teams. You got SMU, you got Houston, you got Cincinnati. Um, That was a bad loss at Memphis yesterday. 
that was a, a bad, bad loss. And now SMU is going to fall out of the rankings as they should. Um, I thought they were better than that. Um, and I, but prior to that, the way I was looking at the, the American, I was like, okay, you know, they got three good teams here at the top ACC. Wake was the only team that I ranked in the top 25 last yeah. week from the ACC. That's how bad the ACC is this year. Yeah, it's just, again, you you wouldn't think that it's the three, I think, in the top 25 were Wake Forest, NC State, and uh, Pitt. Not really three, you know, that would really pop out, I guess, at you. Um, and if you thought that those were going to be the three teams at the start of the year when the first college football playoff rankings came out to be the three teams in the ACC, I think everyone would have called you crazy, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it certainly has uh, not been uh, a year for them to remember. All right, James, uh, what else? What were you watching this weekend? What stood out to you? That was, uh, yeah, like you said, kind of was a college football couch junkie this weekend. So watched (laughs) a lot of that. Um, Again, I still think it's, I'm going to stand by it. Georgia has kind of just separated itself from the rest of the pack here. Yeah. other than that, it was like you said, entertaining game in Tuscaloosa last night against LSU. I don't know if they necessarily looked like the second best team in college football either. Um, so we'll see how these rankings ultimately line up when those come out on, I want to say Tuesday it is. And yeah, uh, yeah um, other than that, I mean, getting to the home stretch here, these are a lot of big games that will make or break some seasons as far as where they're going to be standing and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun stretch here when we get to this Thanksgiving, early December time frame. Yeah, and I think you bring up the Alabama game. I had a thought, because I know I'm still getting people tweeting at me right now as we speak. People are like, oh, you have Cincinnati number two. And my thing is like, look, if, if Alabama, I know they're a one-loss team. If Alabama's crushing LSU... You know, it, it, maybe there's a little more of a conversation there. The thing for me is I look at these three teams that I have right behind Cincinnati and Oklahoma. I got so I got in my rankings, James, we can run through my top 10 here. Uh, I've got Georgia one, Cincinnati two, Oklahoma three, Bama four, Oregon five, Ohio State six. Notre Dame jumps up to seven following Michigan State's loss uh, with Purdue beating Michigan State. So then you have eight, nine, Michigan State, nine, uh, Michigan, and then 10, Oklahoma State. Um, so that's my top 10. The reason why, like, people want to say, okay, Cincinnati shouldn't be there because they're barely beating these teams. Well, they are winning the games. And let's not pretend that Alabama didn't already, lo- I mean, one, they lost a game, but two, LSU hasn't been good this year and they're just barely beating LSU at home. Ohio state had trouble against Minnesota. They had trouble against Tulane. They had, they lost earlier this year. They had trouble with Nebraska yesterday and then Oregon, they barely beat Cal. They've had some, they barely beat UCLA. Like why are we only picking and choosing? Oh, well, Cincinnati is just barely beating these teams. I get that the American is not the same as the SEC or the Big Ten. Um, and But, I mean, I just think that it's like, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely do. Um, yeah, you know, you can nitpick, I think, at any of these teams as well. Exactly. And that's ultimately no what, it boils, what it boils down to. But, 
you know, we have our our thoughts on it, Jack, and the committee's got theirs. So, did you catch any of the Liberty Ole Miss game? I did not. Yeah, I missed it, but I saw it was an interesting game because you had Malik Willis is a guy that is decently high on some draft boards and some mock drafts, and this was kind of his trial run against an SEC opponent. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't get absolutely killed. It's twenty-seven fourteen. That's not. It's not bad. Um, it's only a two-score game. It's not like we're talking about like a thirty to six kind of game, right? How, however, having said that, I knew he threw two picks. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, criticize him or provide an assessment when I didn't actually get to watch the game. But it doesn't sound like he looked great in that game. Um, and I'm sure that this was a game, especially with Corral on the other side. There are a lot of scouts making that trip there were, down to Oxford. They had mentioned something like 16 NFL scouts were there. So, um, yeah, uh, who's to say? I mean, again, I don't know right now if there's a clear-cut number one quarterback in this this class right now. Um, I think from what I have seen, Corral has probably separated himself the most. Um, but there's a lot of, like you said, those tweeners – Liberty's guy, I can't remember his. What did you say it was? Malik, Malik Willis. Malik Willis, um, along with Sam Howell. I think those are probably some of the bigger names that we've seen around right now, along with Matt Corral. Those are probably the three that at least. I, I one guy that I know you enjoy a lot is in Nevada, uh, Reno for that one. So um, Carson Strong, I believe his name is. Yep. Yeah, he's great. He's the best Wolfpack quarterback since Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick, yes. He was a beast in college, by the way. He was, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, so we'll be keeping an eye on those quarterbacks. Um, Arizona State, much-needed win. USC continues to struggle. Utah is uh, – you know what? Here, let's do this. Let's go through the rest of my rankings. That will lead to some more. I do, have a, I do have a cutoff here, Jack, in a couple of minutes, just to let you know on this one. 530 cutoff. It's yes. 527. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. We'll uh, wrap it. We'll run through this pretty quick. Okay. okay. Uh, 11 through 15, Texas A&M, UTSA 12, 13 BYU, 14 Ole Miss, 15 San Diego State. Thoughts Beautiful. on that? Yeah, good. Good. Keep yeah. it rolling. All right. 16 Houston, 17 Louisiana, 18 Baylor, 19 Wake Forest, 20 Coastal Carolina. A lot of those mid-majors, yep, making their, their presence felt there, I'd say. Yep, and then the the interesting action here is I do have three high majors or uh, Power 5 schools moving back into the 25 here at the bottom. And so we got 20, 21 Nevada, 22 App State, and then 23 Utah, 24 Wisconsin, 25 Purdue. Got Purdue ranked once again. Perfect. So, I think they're de- ten teams deserving of that at this point. Yeah, I would say so. Now, uh, Iowa unranked in my rankings, Auburn unranked, Kentucky unranked. I'm sure the committee will have some different views than I do. But I think when you have Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa, and those teams all really having played each other, you have to just rank them in terms of performance. Right. Wisconsin beat both of them. So. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Let me make sure there's not anything else that we're forgetting here. Uh, Nebraska, good fight for them. Is Scott Frost saving his job? 
Uh, that's a that's a question that I, I don't think so. To be honest with you, when you have four years, you're going back to your alma, and it just it, I don't see any sort of progress on the field. To be completely honest with you, but what's your take on that one? I say give him more time. He's an alum. He's a he's a Nebraska legend, and it wasn't going to happen overnight. And last year was not. The problem that, it, right. you know, like, for instance, that's another one. Herm Edwards is one that I don't think Herm Edwards is going to lose his job after this year. But people were kind of saying, like, yeah, Arizona State should be turning the corner right here. Right. Well, Jaden Daniels is like a sophomore because he only got to play five games last year, four games last right. year. Like, yep. they're not letting Big Ten only played six games. So you're not getting a chance to really develop your players the way that you should. So for that reason, unless there's off the field or issues like between boss and employee, yep. give them an extra, I'd say, you know, give coaches a longer leash, give them another year or two. That's fair. That is a fair statement. It was kind of a unique year in 2020. So um, I can, I can agree with that. Okay. Uh, anything else that we're forgetting to mention here, James? I think that I, mean, I think most of the highlights of the weekend here and in, in the week in sports, I would say. All right. That's good. Well, he's James Ivkovich. James, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, would you like to throw your social media handles out there? People can get in touch with you or anything you want to promote while you're here. Sure. Jimbo squad. I believe it is. I think Jack has it in the, I saw it as this, uh, the, podcast had gone live i want to say or the stream uh yeah. but yeah jimbo squad is my uh is my tag i guess you could say but uh yeah follow me again it's a whole lot of just sports retweeting and whatnot and i know jack gets a lot of fun interactions going on on twitter too oh so <laughs> i had jack v to show as well yeah sometimes a little too fun yeah sometimes <laughs> no it was funny there's someone who i was discussing my rankings with and the guy like i think it was really weird because I really like reading his tweets back to me. Like I enjoy engaging with people, even if we don't agree. It was yep. very respectful and kind. And I was I disagreed with him, and he was like, "Whoa, oh gosh, like leave me alone." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not coming at. We, we just have a different opinion." Right. I'm not like, I'm not trying to put you on blast. I'm all good you. fun. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. It was good. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, James. This is a blast, and I'm sure we'll be having you back sometime this college basketball season. Oh, starts up in two days here. We'll have it. So thank you again for having me, Jack. Always a blast with you. And, uh, yeah, keep me posted on when to come back here. The Champions Classic. Unfortunately, we don't have anyone from the Pac-12 Conference of Champions. Yes, no one there quite yet. But we'll get a lot of uh, Pac-12 after dark with uh, I think it's Dave Pash and Bill, I want to say, are yeah. the two that usually <laughs> so, a fun crew nonetheless. All right. Take care of yourself, James. Thanks All for right. stopping by. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. All right. And that is our show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed uh, tuning in and catching up on the sports and the football from the weekend. Uh, I wasn't expecting James to have to run at a sudden abrupt time, but I mean, I was right about to end the show anyway. So it works out the way that it worked out. It worked out well. Um, if you guys enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita show and follow along on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jack Vita show. Please leave a review on Apple podcast. If you guys like it, 
I've got a YouTube channel too. So if you guys are checking this out on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, share this show with a friend. If you guys like the analysis here, you like what we're doing, share it with other people. Send them links to my content on my site. Uh, I hope you guys like it. I hope you're not hate listening. Um, make sure you guys subscribe. We've got our college basketball season preview dropping probably tomorrow. I'll probably put that out tomorrow, um, at least in the next couple days. We'll get that out there. And then uh, we're going to have some more good guests soon. I mean, we spoke with T-Bird from Survivor, Albert from Survivor. He's a good friend. He's been on here a lot now. Um, we're going to have some more Survivor contestants in the pipeline uh, coming on this show. Potentially more from The Bachelorette, but certainly more athletes. We had Mickey Morandini on a couple weeks back, and Arrestus Estrade, who does the Rays games and played for the Marlins on Baseball Tonight. He was here a few weeks ago, so well, we're going to make some more connections here. Um, and hopefully more athletes, but nevertheless, thank you guys all for listening. I hope you guys all enjoyed today's show, and until our college basketball preview, Object Vita, bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>